Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Buffy Virgin. I'm your host, Dennis St. John, and we are watching uh, Season 4, Episode 18, Where the Wild Things Are. Uh so why doesn't everybody introduce themselves in order from geographically furthest from me to closest? Well, my name's John, and I'm definitely the furthest away. I'm really excited. Me and my wall here are very excited to watch this episode together. <laughs> John, please don't touch the wall while we're recording. <laughs> I'm, I'm Travis. I'm the one who's uh, next, next farthest away, I think. And uh, normally I love every Buffy episode except this one. So that's my wrinkle in time today. And I'm geographically closest, but not by much compared to Travis here. And uh, my name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to season four, episode 18, Where the Wild Things Are. So, All right. With this new introduction system, uh, if people are watching enough, they'll eventually be able to, after a few years, be able to guess like all the, all the passwords and all the like. Uh, but it'll take a while. <laughs> bring, on, bring on the doxing. All right, uh, so we don't have any new reactions this week because of our odd recording schedule, uh, but we do have a summary. The summary. And Riley, it's time to party. What starts with the cuddle can't cause any trouble. Put on your nighty, turn off the lighty. Things are about to feel all lighty. Quick timeout. Uh, this is gonna sound dumb, but there's a spot on the wall. If you touch it, it can make you ejaculate. The people who lived here were repressed, never allowed to touch or undress. Obsessed with sex. Now this frat house is vexed. All the trapped hormones get to run amok while Buffy gets f***ed. It's like getting hit by a shaped truck. One big surprisey, Zanya saves Briley. Everyone is smiling because behind Blue Izzy, Giles sings blindly. This episode is off the track. Apologies to Maurice Sendak. Where the wild things are is a sexual bazaar. Some might say it even goes too far. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> Now let's move on to Great Lines. Great Lines. Uh, Johnny, why don't you start first? All right, I have two great lines. Uh, the first is Anya. She says, we don't have anything in common except for both of us liking your penis. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also loved uh, Xander at the end uh, confronting the villain saying, uh, you smell sin? Yeah, well, she who smelt it, dealt it. Very, very happy about that. That's great. Uh, yeah, I have, I have uh, all Xanderisms. Um, so uh, this is Xander saying, a ghost? What's the deal? Is every frat in this campus, on this campus haunted? And if so, why do people keep coming to these parties? Because it's not the snacks. Um, and then just at the end, he has a couple of weird turns of phrases that I wanted to shout, call out. 
Yeah, he uses the term big bursting poltergasm. <laughs> and I actually misheard this one. Um, I thought he said batter in the boo factory, but he says battery in the boo factory. <laughs> um, I like the end. Buffy was just, I think she's going to talk about what happened. And she just really said, it's so creepy. He was really singing. Xander said, I'd say it was more like crooning when they're talking about Giles singing at the coffee shop. <laughs> at the end of the day, they're more wrapped up in Giles' singing. And I, I really love this line, but I guess this is it's kind of weird. I think it's just the scene is so much fun. Refresh out of super people and somebody's got to go back in there. Now, who's with me? And then Spike says, I am. And like, I was floored by, <laughs> by that one. And I think I yelled, fuck yeah. And Elizabeth's like, what are you watching? <laughs> And then I then and then like I got really upset because he didn't you know volunteer. And then he goes from like, I know I'm not the first choice for Alex, and Buffy's tried to kill me more than once. And I don't fancy a single one of you all, but actually, it all sounds pretty convincing. The engagement house is still open. Uh, Spike. I, I had a second where I was wondering, do you think Asian House is like a restaurant nearby, or do you think that's like a different fraternity for the Asian students at Sunnyvale? <laughs> You know, like Animal House, but it's Asian House. Uh, so uh, my kill count. The kill count. Um, one vampire dusted. One demon stabbed to death. Um, I was counting times Riley and Buffy had sex. And this might be a little controversial because what I did was count every time there's like uh, a pause and then they start up again as a new act of sex. So I counted seven. Oh, um, wow. And I started to list acts of magical horniness and acts of mag magical repression. But then I got really like opinionated within myself because I was like, the spinning bottle, obviously mag act of magical horniness. Uh, earthquake, magical repression. Vines, <laughs> horniness. <laughs> I was like, Spike being tied to a chair? That's definitely horniness, but I think the show means it to be repression. And then I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> so let's move on to uh, Weird Noticings and Trivia. Weird Noticings. Okay, right off the bat, um, this is dumb, but like the whole idea that vampires and demons don't get along is stupid because that's been contradicted like a dozen times already i feel like at the very least like we know spike has hired fjarl demons and worked with them in the past and learned their language we know that wolfram and hart represents both and they all kind of hang out in the building together this has already been contradicted it's a silly premise i well, just want to say you know, it so you, move on you know why they have to say that right because we know out of this episode so we gotta at least keep this big bad going <laughs> who could possibly get demons and, and maps to work together yeah i've thought about that also because i was like yeah spike and uh the mayor becomes a demon and mm -hmm. hires vampires like come on uh i just love in that opening fight scene where buffy shoots an arrow while you know riley's got like a vampire held down and i'm like this is weird bad <laughs> partnership and but then they're kind of like great job us and it's like this is the, some sloppy fighting i and think it's a true this is like a trust fall to like uh, <laughs> to a much more extreme degree. Uh, anyway, I, I I was alarmed by this opening fight sequence, um, but yeah. also it is particularly violent. Man, when they just break out the knives and start slap, you know, <laughs> and Riley just like stabbing guy, it just felt really vicious. And I don't know what it's different about the choreography that makes it feel that way, but it's it's been changed up in some some way. 
Yeah. I do think every season, like, the fights in the show get, like, kicked up another notch. You know, and it, maybe it's because, like, I think as a series, Angel has a lot, like, more well-choreographed fights, so they're, like, trying to catch up with Angel a little. Angel has so much fighting. <laughs> I mean, there's literally arena fights on Angel. Like they, they need some excuse to get his shirt off and get him punching things. Ugh. Uh, so that ice cream truck has like a really haunting melody for yes. some reason. It's amazing. Like, there, there's that, a lot going on. That cut is so good too. That cut is so good because it sounds like it's a music box and like yeah. Riley's creeping around the house. Oh, so good. Yeah, it feels so spooky. And it's like also I think Maybe the show just isn't doesn't shoot with natural lighting a lot. Like the lighting looks like really intense. And, like everything is kind of freaky in that one. Yeah. So th this uh, this ice cream truck is kind of insane. Uh, I've got a lot of screenshots in the bottom of the document from the ice cream truck. Uh, so first of all, uh, you can just buy a lot of unusual items in this particular ice cream truck. You can buy giant insects, which I think is an excellent little like reference to Xander's sexual history that brings that up before the <laughs> scene actually brings it up in the dialogue. I feel like that's intentional. But also, like, there's a lot of toys that you can buy, including um, there's something called an egg dipper, which is like a novelty little chick that you would use to dye Easter eggs. You can buy that in the ice cream truck. There's um, foam balls that you can buy under the brand Soft Smash. Um, matchbox cars. You can buy these, like, there's like a six-pack of yellow miniature buckets in the shape of birds that you can buy. So it's a, it's a very strange ice cream truck that Xander's working in. Also, the um, all of the ice cream brand names on the side of the truck have been strategically covered up with skateboard stickers. Nice. Oh, that's what's going on. What about Super Fudge? I can still see Super Fudge. <laughs> oh, weird. <laughs> this is Xander's most ambitious business yet. I'm very impressed. Do you think he's the proprietor? Do you think he owns the ice cream truck? No. <laughs> But knowing Xander, he's not being paid a regular wage. He probably got stuck in some sort of pyramid scheme with the ice cream truck where he I like... I think it's Uncle Rory's ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, another zoom in and enhance moment that uh, I had, of which I had several this episode, but another zoom in and enhance moment is that uh, Riley opens up his bedside table drawer and uh, he has a drawer full of condoms. And I just want to point out that he has no fewer than three brands of condoms uh, in his drawer which to me seems odd. Uh, he has um, Crown, Invigra, and Durex Colors and Scents. You want brand loyalty with the condoms. I mean, I just, I, I, to me, it, condoms are, are something that you like, you only buy more when you've used up what you had. You don't buy like three different brands at the same time. No, they're generic. Just like Riley is a generic human, he's a generic <laughs> condom for a generic man. I don't know, Colors and Scents, that's pretty creative. <laughs> maybe he's just grabbing them from free somewhere like like some sort of campus like. <laughs> right he's just raiding because he's got like I, I don't know like at least two dozen of them in the drawer there like he's the only <laughs> one in uh i will say though that um at least a couple of his condoms are going to expire in march 2004 uh it's one of those things that you only know if you're watching an hd <laughs> uh well i don't think they're gonna make it that long <laughs> So episodes from 2000. That's true. <laughs> I'm just saying Sunnydale is just not safe. I mean, Anya comes out for like a walk to the bar and is like almost mugged slash attacked by Spike. I'm like, that, sure, it was Spike this time, but it could have been any old random vampire. 
Like, I also like that it's within viewing distance of like yes. the line yes. for the bronze, and nobody reacts. Nobody like, cares. Does he mug people in line who are like walking to the bronze? He does the mugging. They walk. They like walk to the bronze, and then like ten minutes later, he walks there and is like, "No, I have money for beer." <laughs> it's so crazy. I don't know how if I like the way that Spike is uh, adapting to his problem of, of not being able to commit violence. <laughs> I do really like Spike and Anya hanging out. I like yes. what happens. Um, and then, like, I think it's great that ni- like neither of them are doing the angel thing of, like, I regret everything I've done. They're both like, man, I really miss killing people. Like, uh, So where do Buffy and the Initiative stand right now? Like, what happened last week? Because is, like, is it cool for her to go to their party and to bring her, like, obnoxious friends like Xander? Like... How is the initiative even running right now? What's Riley's situation vis-a-vis the initiative? That seems troubled as well. And he's still yeah. living there. I mean, it's a little hard for me to remember because, like, the initiative is a blur of uninterestingness. But, <laughs> like, like, didn't he, like, almost get, like, fired from them? And then he was like, I'll be your spy or something. Yeah, something like that. Look, dudes just need to blow off some steam this week, all right? Don't worry about it. I mean, I guess last week, Jonathan got put in charge of the initiative. Uh, They're used to, like, ambiguous leadership and strange demands. So no wonder they need to blow off steam at all times. Yeah. <laughs> and they're also easily diverted from their any of their goals. Yeah. I like when um, later, in, uh, later in the episode, to skip a bit, like, when Forrest and Graham are down at initiative headquarters, and they're like, all right, let's go after this thing. And then we never see them again. <laughs> Oh, good point. Yeah, I never noticed where the, that. Where the fuck did they go? Also, like, Graham is like a babbling mess. And then, like, Forrest has, says to him something about, like, are you okay? And he's like, yep. And then, like, they, like all right. Like, <laughs> uh, John, I think you have a very important question to ask here. Oh, yeah. So, like, I, I want to know it on set, what, um, what kind of direction was given to the actors who had to do the orgasm wall? Like, what do you think they were told to do specifically? I mean, I think it's pretty evident they were told to have an orgasm. And like, cause you see guys grabbing for themselves and, <laughs> and like grabbing at the wall, like they're reeling over in pleasure. Uh, that's what I'm guessing. At first I thought it was hurting him. Like I feel like <laughs> didn't actually go where they, where they were supposed to. Cause I'm like, this, this wall hurts him. It's like, then it didn't obviously but because it kept going back to it so like yeah i was thinking like you know sometimes in ghost stories there's like cold spots and this is like the opposite of a cold spot (laughs) is that what like is that what it is i don't know what needs to happen for you to get one of these like in a house Uh, is it max repression that creates this you need to torture a bunch of children for masturbating yeah, I think it's like when kids are so repressed that linoleum makes them horny. <laughs> like some kid had like an orgasm just staring at that wall. And that like that of like not having an orgasm for 20 years, just like two years. I don't know how, how long you just like went right into that wall and like absorbed it into like a perpetual orgasm wall. Someone's got to solve this problem. Thank you, Dan. Uh, so is it weird that Xander is wearing like faux military outfit to a frat party being put on by the military? 
Is it faux military? It looked to me like it, it's like a, it's like a windbreaker vest. But it was all like I don't know. It was all like camo colors and stuff, right? It looked like it was like like he was wearing his Halloween costume from season two. <laughs> yeah, a bit. I didn't pick up on that, but I. I barely registered to me that there was anything to do with the initiative there since it just looks like a generic frat party. Like they so quickly uh, dispose of their initiative disguises and like there's nothing in that place that would even let you know that the initiative is there. Uh, I forgot that it was a military thing. Yeah. All right, Jen. Oh, um, okay. So Riley, uh, he's like, hold my drink. I got to go have sex. But really <laughs> I have a cover story about an essay. The drink he has is either a cup of water or a full cup of vodka. So I don't know which one's weirder. <laughs> that he's just sitting there drinking vodka or that he's at a frat party drinking water. It could be Zima. You no, know, but it's clearly not fizzy though. Like I, I, again, I'm watching this in HD, doing a little <laughs> zoom in and enhance. I'm pretty clear that it's just water or at least it's a, it's a still liquid with no ice in it that's clear. Flat Zima. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> well, who wants to drink fully fizzy Zima? Especially, you know. <laughs> Water yeah, you got to open the Zima and let it breathe. <laughs> Maybe he's got sensitive teeth. That's what you do with alcohol. Alcohol has to breathe. That's like that's what everyone tells me. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's a flat Zima. All right, mi- <laughs> mystery solved. Canonically, in my mind, it's a flat Zima. Because that just hits Riley's like worst, worst ever personality. Was Zima around in the year 2000? Yes. Well, because yes. it went away and came back, but it was definitely, yeah, because I, I think I drank too I much. We had some. I think we had some in the year 2000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely did. I remember Mad Dog 2020. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that I think is still around. Never goes out of style. I also love how the fact that Riley's not allowed to bring drinks up to his room. <laughs> <laughs> the girlfriends are okay, balls posters are okay. They just don't trust him with spills. Yeah. (laughs) There's a a no drink policy on the second floor of our secret military installation. Uh, You got the next one also, Trev. Yeah, no no balls. I didn't see any balls posters this episode. No, it's totally there. It is? Yes, I forgot to screen. Can you zoom in and enhance? It is totally there. There's totally a balls poster. I feel like uh, you having access to all these HD files is both a blessing and a curse, John. Yeah. A blessing for me, a curse for our <laughs> listeners. You're very detail-oriented, and it's it's maybe not feeding your obsessions in the right way. <laughs> I just hope I just hope this relationship with Riley does not work out, so we can get rid of him and his balls poster. <laughs> um, I say uh, Anya's freaking out is great. Uh, I mean, Anya is great this episode. She's always great. But like the whole thing where she's like, I'm having so much fun. Woohoo! Like her <laughs> walking through the breakup and how this breakup is supposed to work to Xander is delightful. And like the mutual confusion and like the awkwardness. Of course, this is all based on this weird male fantasy situation that she's created where they don't go have they go without sex for a day and she assumes they're broken up. But uh, you know, given that, uh but anyway, it's fan- fantastic fun. And I think I I really want to talk about Anya later in this episode. All right, we'll do. Uh, John, hey, why don't you do some more zooming in and enhancing? Yeah, okay, this is my big, this is the biggest zoom and enhance I've ever done. This is a <laughs> Buffy Virgin exclusive. I've searched the internet and I don't think anybody knows about this. When Willow opens up the uh, clippings book uh, in, the, in the Sunnydale library and talks about um, Genevieve Holt, 
the bad guy from this episode, you guys actually a really good shot and you can read most of the clippings. And there's actually some backstory there about the character and it's hilarious. There's some great Easter eggs and I don't think the internet knows about this yet. A lot of the text, I did my best to transcribe the text so I could go through it all. It's sort of like like going through the Dead Sea Scrolls, like you're missing words because Will's hand's covering it up or parts of it are out of focus or whatever. It is not the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> it is just like the Dead Sea Scrolls, okay? I'm gonna um, get a cup of coffee while this is going on. <laughs> A lot of the text is actually repeated, like it's been copied and pasted different places and you re, like sort of reuse in different parts. But I want to just like read out some um, some choice bits here. OK, so there's an article that says new hope for juveniles. Local residents say that this is not the first time that Ms. Holt has put her own life in jeopardy for the sake of her charges. Neighbor Leonard Bernstein says that she, quote, Daily walks a tightrope balancing two dogs and a pickle on a stick over the house to teach the children <laughs> about the dangers of insanity. Ms. Holt's efforts in this regard can only be described as absolutely absurd. <laughs> what? I know. Another wow. uh, nice little piece of backstory. Um, there's a little like sub headline that says distinguished citizens colon. Uh, uh, she receives, a, receives the Rudolf Erickson Award from the mayor, which I'm assuming is the mayor. Yeah. So the mayor gave her an award. That's a nice bit of backstory that uh, you only know if you do this work. Also um, that Leonard Bernstein lived in Sunnydale. <laughs> I don't know who Rudolf Erickson is. That, doesn't, that, that name doesn't come up with anything on Google. Um, there's like a couple other bits here about how she got an award. And, but um, yeah, that bit about balancing a pickle is the best, is the best part. I want to, like, what she, is it a tightrope? She says balancing over the house. Right. Yeah. She daily walks a tightrope, balancing two dogs and a pickle on a stick over the house to teach the children that's, about the dangers of insanity. That's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thank you for doing that, John. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I take back my criticisms of your obsessive personality. <laughs> uh, Anya and Willow being thirsty for Giles is legitimate. Um, totally. It's a good song. He sings it amazingly. Yeah. He's got a pierced ear just in the scene. Puts an earring in just to sing. I can't believe how long that scene is. Like, they have all have so much stuff to say about Giles. Like, I was like, oh, clearly he's not helping them. They got to move on. And it's like, they keep talking about it. <laughs> it's, it's lovely. It's a lovely scene. Oh, I love Xander's just says, like, grabs a machete and says, let's go in, like, a serious way. And Anya comes along. Like, this Xander Anya team up is amazing. And I, I just want to grab a machete and say, let's go and have someone follow me to wherever it is that I'm going to be doing. And just the emotional feel on that was so good. And I was like, I don't care what happens in this next scene. I'm in. I'm so excited for what happened. Um, I like when they're, before they figure out what it is, when Giles thinks it could be a satyr's prank. Um, I think that's amazing. I want to see like uh, satyrs in this show. I want to see what happens with that. Um, and I do really like the idea of like a haunted house without a dead body. I think that's a pretty unique concept. Um, I would have liked to have seen that explored in a more interesting way, I guess, in a better episode. Um, but I don't know. I think that's a good horror idea is like, what is haunting us if it's not like a ghost in the strictest sense, you know? Uh, Mike, you wanted to talk more about Anya? Oh, okay. So just the Xander Anya team up was great. And like, just 
you know, we, we have a sense of how her mind works, but I feel like there's more wrinkles in this episode than usual. So when Xander's like storming up to the room where Buffy and Riley are doing it, and then, you know, like she, you know, he gets knocked, he gets knocked out, right? And then she like, she gets knocked out too a bit and then like gets like impaled almost yeah. on something and then just like kind of unceremoniously rips it out and keeps keeps running towards this uh, to, to help Xander and like solve this problem. I feel like I didn't, we don't really see her very often as this kind of warrior character that she's capable of being. And just the the feel on that, the emotional vibe of that was so good. It was such a fun payoff to see those characters. And it's like, oh, if I just, if this show is just slowly presenting badass moments with different characters every episode, then like, I guess I really enjoy that. Um, but I feel like a good character, um, character reveal. I just really enjoyed that. And I, I like, I like, I mean, obviously the Spike and Anya, but Xander and Anya team up was really fun because it, it was also great to see them doing something besides bickering at each other. So yeah, which the show is like played that loop a billion times. So happy to see them do something different. Uh, so that is weird noticings and trivia. Uh, let's move on to questions for the group. Questions for the group. Yeah. Hey guys, come here. Hey, come here guys. Hey, check this out. Touch this random spot in the house. Hey, no, no, put your hand there. Uh, do you touch do you touch the random spot in the house that gives you pleasure? In the situation <laughs> Is the situation like in the episode where like I don't really know what it does before I do it or is it a situation that I'm fully aware of what it's doing and then I make a decision? You're like, the, let's say you're like the third guy. Yeah, I think no. I think no. I think that is terrifying. I think in college I would, but I think now <laughs> I would not. Well I said. I definitely would if Mike was like, come on, try us, try us. I'm like, it's just a wall, whatever. <laughs> in like a week, this is going to have like some kind of slang name on campus. It'd be like, dude, have you tried wall banging? Like, <laughs> Yeah, wet walling. Episode <laughs> <laughs> drywall. I like it. That dude's a total Harvey wall banger. It's just like this like factory setup where people are just waiting in line to touch the wall is so strange. And like it made me smile because I was like, this is a weird episode. I'm <laughs> also oh that that like sensuality of language guy totally should have been drinking black frost. <laughs> I kept yeah. thinking that there's a lot of different like fake beers ones that I was zooming in on this episode that nothing interesting but like there's like eight or nine fake beer brands in this episode it seems like and none of them are Black Frost which made me sad oh that's sad did you play spin the bottle in college this is like way overplayed isn't it <clears throat> I was like why are they doing spin the bottle it makes no sense um, in fairness Xander does make a crack about it um, yeah but I've, I've never played spin the bottle at any age because I, I played Spin the Bottle in college and did not ever play it in middle school or high school or whenever you're supposed to appropriately play it. But I played it in college. Well done, sir. Did yeah. the bottle explode? So, no, I just, <laughs> like, Xander zinging them, I was like, that's a zing on me also. <laughs> no, he hadn't, he hadn't played it yet. Canonically, Dennis was a high school senior when this episode was out. Well, that's right. Yeah, that's right canonically in the canon of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Wow. You can retcon that later, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's it for questions. <laughs> Uh, so let's move on. Except for the biggest question of all, which is why did this episode happen? But there's no answer. There's no answer. Oh, I think we know why. Walsh moved on, and uh, Oz is off the show. Contract disputes. They had an episode to film. And Adam's uh, not going to fill an episode on his own. It'd be horrible if they did another Adam cutaway in this episode where he's like, I feel a sex energy. <laughs> You know so little about your groin. <laughs> I am the only creature with full awareness of my crotch. It'd be great if you had a little floppy disk called Spin the Bottle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I feel like the alternate title for this episode, instead of Where the Wild Things Are, should be The Fuck Factory. Uh, anyway, that's just my vibe watching this episode. Welcome to The Fuck Factory. Uh, so, okay, recommendations. Recommendations. Um, I'm going to recommend the 2007 movie The Orphanage, uh, directed by, uh, how do you say his name? J.A. Bayona? I don't know. But he uh, directed the new Jurassic World movie. Um, it was produced by uh, Guillermo del Toro. It's really good. It's similar to this in the, well, it's obviously about an orphanage, but it's along the lines of like, is it a ghost story or is it not? Uh, you got to watch and find out. Um, the, the very best movie about sexual repression is Black Narcissus, 1947, I think. Let me pull it up. Yeah, 1947. Um, it's about nuns in the Himalayas trying to do, like, mission work. But they're getting too thirsty for men, and it's freaking them out. Uh, and it's, like, a beautifully shot, awesome movie. It has, like, tons of just crazy shots. Like, there's this bell they have to ring that's right above this giant cliff that's this beautiful, like, matte painting. And there's scenes like, <laughs> there's great scenes where like, there's one nor one um, nun who's like so thirsty for this guy. And like, while he's talking, she's in the background like, hmm, oh, so pretty. Uh, so I just, I cannot recommend that movie enough. It's awesome. Um, uh, and there's a bunch of movies like I wanted to recommend, but I think we've already, I've already recommended or should have like, you know, like, I don't know if we actually ever recommended Carrie or not, but yes it seems like we must have um and like repulsion um and what else shivers is on the list i think we've recommended shivers we've talked about shivers but we should have like, saved it for this episode yeah so any i don't know there's a lot of good movies about sexual repression uh all right uh, sorry, let's move on to predictions Virgin predictions. Okay, uh, there's really not a lot to talk about with uh, old predictions, but I will say that Mike, you are currently at a 63 percent, 63 and some change. Uh, the one prediction that we may want to talk about is in season four, episode three. Mike, you predicted that Xander and Anya will have a horrible breakup, and that will have a horrible consequences beyond the two of them. Oh. So. I don't know if that really applies here. I don't know if they really had a breakup, if the breakup was really horrible, or if it had any consequences. I feel like this is still open. Yeah, I say this is still open. Yep, that's really the only one I have to talk about. Uh, great, well I have some new predictions. Um, 
my first prediction is there will be no more inappropriate uses of the sex wall. Uh, obviously, <laughs> got to wait till the end of season seven to see how this comes out. <laughs> um, and then uh, this maybe is more random, but just the way I've been thinking this past week, this show will have a monster from Greek mythology. I don't believe they've had one yet, but they're going to have one. They and- well, they haven't. But I, can I point out that Mike, you've already predicted. In season two, episode six, you predicted that there will no Roman gods will appear on the show. So today you're predicting there will be a Greek mythology monster, and you've also predicted no Roman gods. So I predict that in the future there will be a pedantic conversation about Roman <laughs> gods and monsters. <laughs> oh, geez. That's inevitable. Well, I'd say, I mean, I'd say it's like Greek and Roman mythology has monsters that are not gods, right? True. Absolutely. Yes. No, I, I would... I'm for that pedantic conversation about the difference between a monster and a god. Uh, of gods and monsters. That's why I specify in this next prediction, this show will have a Medusa monster. I think that they're running out of monsters based on this episode. And so just got to keep opening up that mythology catalog until you find something that fits. Uh, we haven't had a spider monster, have we? We've had spiders. We had Okay, that's true. That's true. There were the spiders with the that weird mayor episode. No monster bats on Buffy. And you'll know what I mean when you don't see them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. Uh... So, I mean, I guess the theme for this episode is just about sexual repression and that Buffy can never have a sex-positive experience. Uh, so I don't know if there's, like... I don't know if we feel like talking about that or not. I, I, I do, actually, right. a little bit on a couple levels. Um, first of all, like, I, I kept thinking about... And I'm going to get obnoxious here, but I kept thinking about um, uh, Michel Foucault and the, uh, the History of Sexuality, which is a book I totally read once in my life and understood about 10% of. But one of the things I think I, I did understand from it is this idea that, um, you know, we sort of like to think about the Victorians as um, being really repressive in the sense that like, everybody's got a sexuality that's natural and the Victorians want to repress it. But I think Foucault sort of argues that um, you can't just repress things, that repression is always constructive. So you're like, you when you have repression it constructs not it sort of constructs the kind of sexuality you have and it defines the boundaries and the shape of it and so like i think that's something that kind of comes out in this episode that like the house isn't just about repression like you said dennis it's also about like horny sexy times and so like is uh is spike being tied down a symbol of repression or is it a symbol of sex actually those things are so intimately linked and so sort of sort coextensive that you kind of can't draw a line between the two and they actually aren't necessarily the opposing forces that we always like to think they are. Um, so I felt like that was in this episode. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and also like the question of like, can Buffy have a sex positive experience? I think there's an interesting question there about like, do you think the episode is trying to blame Buffy and Riley? Like, like is no, no, I just feel bad for like, I don't think that the episode is blaming them at all. Um, I, I just feel bad for Buffy because it's like, this is like, she had, you know, this like two year or three year long relationship with a guy she couldn't have sex with. And she's finally dating somebody who she can have sex with. And there's still these bizarre supernatural consequences. Uh, 
So I feel bad for her for these things keep happening. But that is the show. I, I, I don't know. I think I, I do think that the episode is doing a little bit with the idea that their relationship is like, I don't want to say selfish, but that they are they're losing track of their other friendships and stuff, which is a real thing that happens. Right. Yeah. And like everybody like Forrest and Xander or whatever, are like, where are our friends? Oh, they're banging again. That's obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's totally a thing that happens where you're like, I can't be around them right now because they're obnoxious. <laughs> I'm going to wait for them to cool down a bit. Yeah. They did a good job of capturing that feeling when Xander, I'm sorry, when Riley and Buffy are staring at each other super intensely when they're about to make up the story about the essay and it's just like that that moment when she's Buffy's completely tuned out of her friends' conversations is so well done. It just feels so emotionally true. I think they really they really nailed that scene. I I I though I, I agree with Dennis. I don't I don't think that Buffy can have a sex positive experience. I feel like this show, because it so much is about her, like she's doomed to not. <laughs> have like a positive experience or if she does like there's negative consequences in some way like she just can't have a relationship and I, I wonder if that's true of all like urban fantasy you know characters like you know because they're you know their whole lives are a part of the story you know it's not like oh I just have this detective agency and it's like well we're also following your adventures outside the detective agency which is a bummer but I don't know it's still it's still fun to watch such is the burden of being the main character. All right. I think we got sufficiently deep. So let's end it. Uh, this has been Buffy Virgin. Um, yeah, you can find my, I'm Dennis St. John. You can find my comics online. Uh, I'm in the episode issue of Famous Monsters that's on shelves right now. Uh, you can still find it. Uh, all right. Um, Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter if you want to see my uh, monster drawings of Buffy and crew. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in hell.